Welcome to Three Points with AJC's Stephen Baim. Dr. Baim is the director of AJC's William Petchek Contemporary Jewish Life Department and the Kopelman Institute on American-Jewish-Israeli Relations. We now give the floor to Dr. Baim. Thank you for downloading this podcast. My name is Stephen Baim. The topic of today's podcast is Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, whose 128th birthday would be October 16th. Born David Grun in Plonsk, Poland, Ben-Gurion's deeply held Zionist convictions led him to change his name and move to Israel, where he worked tirelessly to establish the Jewish state. He served as prime minister for nearly 14 years, leaving an indelible mark on the young country. Some years back, the New York Jewish Week acclaimed Ben-Gurion as the Jewish person of the century. As we celebrate his birthday, here are three points worth recalling about Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion. First, in 1947, Ben-Gurion had the wisdom to accept the UN partition plan dividing Palestine into a state of Palestine and a state of Israel. This represented a willingness to compromise, a sense on his part that notwithstanding the criticisms of his political opponents, who argued that Ben-Gurion was surrendering major portions of the historical Jewish homeland. Ben-Gurion argued, let us first establish a Jewish state, let us absorb refugees from the Holocaust, from Arab countries, let us demonstrate to the world what a Jewish state can actually accomplish. Regrettably, that spirit of compromise has been lacking in the ethos of the Palestinian polity ever since 1947. In other words, a state of Palestine was called for by the UN resolution. It would have been accepted then by Israel's leadership. It could have been established at numerous points since then. The constant reason why it has not been accepted is that whereas Ben-Gurion was willing to compromise, to accept less than his full aspirations, Palestinian leadership have never been willing to demonstrate that same ethos of compromise and coexistence. Second, Ben-Gurion had the wisdom to realize that Israel must engage in close relations with the Jewish people at large, and within the Jewish people, the single most important relationship was with the world's largest diaspora Jewish community, namely American Jewry. As a result, in 1950, Ben-Gurion concluded an agreement with the president of the American Jewish Committee, Jacob Blaustein, subsequently known as the Blaustein-Ben-Gurion Agreement, to govern relations between the world's two largest Jewish communities. What prompted the Ben-Gurion-Blaustein Agreement were calls for aliyah to Israel by Israeli emissaries within the United States. AJC leadership were somewhat offended by the language that was being used and the suggestions perhaps that American Jews harbored double loyalty. They feared, if you will, an anti-Semitic backlash in an America of the 1950s in which McCarthyism was so strong. As a result, the Ben-Gurion-Blaustein Agreement called for new principles to govern the relationship between Israel and American Jewry. Neither side would interfere in the domestic matters confronting the other party. Israel would not interfere in domestic American Jewish affairs. American Jewry would not interfere in internal Israeli issues. Israel affirmed that American Jews harbored no double loyalties. Their loyalties were to the United States. To be sure, the calls for Aliyah would continue, but Ben-Gurion pledged that the language of Aliyah would change from a language that negated American Jewry's future 
a language of anti-Semitism and assimilation, if you will, to a language that said Israel needs American Jewish expertise, American Jewish know-how, American Jewish wisdom in helping to construct a new fledgling and democratic society. And the third point worth recalling about Ben-Gurion's career comes from the very end of his life, especially following the 1967 Six-Day War, in which Israel acquired the territories commonly known as the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. As early as 1968, Ben-Gurion warned about the demographic dangers to Israel concerning permanent retention of these territories, namely that Israel be confronting over the long term a potential Arab demographic majority, given current birth rates, and the permanent occupation could very well affect the moral fabric and moral integrity of Israel as a Jewish state. Significantly, former prime ministers Ariel Sharon and Ehud Olmert, who had long argued during the 20th century for permanent retention of the territories, by the 21st century had come around to Ben-Gurion's view that Israel for its own security, for its own future as a Jewish state, must endorse a two-state solution as the only possible outcome and the only possible resolution of the long-running Middle East conflict. What is the relevance of these recollections of David Ben-Gurion as Israel's founding prime minister? For one thing, the ethos of compromise that Ben-Gurion articulated back in 1947 remains a necessity for the 21st century. Only a two-state solution can bring about any kind of peace between these long-standing foes. In addition to that, Ben-Gurion-Blaustein Agreement of 1950 has since evolved into an ethos of mutual responsibility between American Jewry and Israel. American Jews have assumed the responsibility for maintaining and enhancing the special relationship between the United States and Israel that is so essential to Israel's future security. Conversely, in recent years, Israel has affirmed its responsibility for the preservation of Jewish life in diaspora communities. Perhaps the best example of such an initiative is the Birthright Israel program, first conceptualized about 10 or 15 years ago, that has become a worldwide initiative, offering every Jew between the ages of 18 and 26 the gift, if you will, of a trip to Israel to understand and appreciate the nature of Israel as a modern Jewish state. And last, Ben-Gurion's warnings back in 1968 about what the price of permanent retention of the territories would mean ring no less true today. As Israel pursues a so far failed peace process, it needs to recognize the demographic dilemma it confronts of what permanent retention of the territories will mean in terms of the specter of a Jewish minority, or even if that does not materialize, the specter of what ruling over a critical mass of millions of Palestinians would mean for Israel as a future Jewish state and as a future democracy. Thank you for listening. You can discover more about AJC's efforts to support Israel on the world stage by going to AJC.org. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store and the Apple Podcasts app on your iPhone or iPad. Visit AJC.org to learn more and sign up for the AJC Global Forum 2015, June 7th through 9th in Washington, D.C.